scary girl. Heard what they're saying on the streets. Although the czar did not survive, one daughter <laughs> maybe still alive. <laughs> the Princess Anastasia. There's our cold open. I was listening to the Broadway version of that today, and I'm just like, oh, it's different, but it's so good. It's good. It's yeah. I'm like, it's okay. I love it. I love Broadway show tunes, big musical numbers. It's true. But I'm just I'm so in love with the movie soundtrack. And from what I understand, uh, Disney or sorry. Fox has accepted a bid um, that Disney made to purchase it. And my immediate reaction was, oh, my God, does that mean that Anastasia is now actually officially a Disney princess? <gasps> that would be such a game changer. I know. Because I like Anastasia better than most Disney princess movies. She really, you think of Disney princesses and I feel like she's automatically lumped in there. Well, and she's on my playlist of uh, mostly Disney dot dot dot. Mostly that's what my Disney playlist is called because that's on there and it's not actually Disney. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love Anastasia. And I think I always, I mean, I know I always have. I think it's because she's the hero of her own movie. Like she's the one that saves the day at the end of the movie, not yeah. the boy. Yeah. And I think that like I was always drawn to that as a kid. I was like, she's a badass. Like she takes down the villain. She saves his lame boy butt. And she's the one who's the hero at the end of the day. And she can make her hair change lengths like that. And I know, of course, like it's not historically accurate, but I like the I love the ending because I feel like it kind of implies like, you know, she never became like she it's not that she didn't come back. It's like she came back. It's our grandma. But she just like she wasn't there for that royalty life. She was going to elope. That's not her life. That's That's not. not what she wanted. Yeah. Obviously, that's not what happened, but maybe someday I'll talk about Anastasia on here, the mm-hmm. real Anastasia story. I was like, this isn't a dead time story. Meow. Do you know what it is yet? That's that Unsolved Mysteries Yeah, thing. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And this is Dead, dead Time Stories. Hey, y'all. Hey, everybody. <laughs> We just talked for three minutes about Anastasia. How's your Monday going? I mean, was that at them or because uh, they both? I mean, technically, this they don't hear this until Thursday. How's your Thursday? Monday. <sighs> I'm tired. I didn't tell you this. I don't think I drove for Lyft for the first time today. Oh, you did. I did. How did that go? Um, well, as I told Christina, I made fifty bucks, and that was neat. Making fifty bucks was neat. Not the part where I had strangers in my car who didn't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> So did you try? Okay, so I I know you know this, but I drove for Uber for about three and a half months a few years ago, back before Uber got super sketchy. I know now they have a new CEO and he's trying to make things better. But let's be honest, we all use Lyft now. Um, But I drove for Uber and I would always try to make conversation with people in the backseat. Did you try to make conversation with the people in your backseat? No, because here's the thing. Oddly enough, as a driver, I wanted to talk to them. When I'm the passenger in the car, I don't want anybody to talk to me. That's so true. I feel the same way. When I'm a passenger, I'm like, I swear to God, like, please don't start please a don't conversation. Talk to me. I just because be right. if you start it up, I'm going to have to keep it keep going. going right. So as the driver, I was like, well, I'll let the rider in my car decide their experience. If they want to talk to me, they'll talk to me. If they don't, they don't. Um, 
First ride was like 30 minutes, super quiet. I don't think she said anything to me until we got to the building. And then she was like, I don't know if I can go in this entrance. And I was like, do you need me to take you to another entrance? And she was like, if you don't mind. I was like, I don't mind. And then we started to pull away. And she was like, actually, I think I go in right here. And I was like, are you sure? And she was like, yes. I was like, okay. And she got out. That was my first ride. My <laughs> Easy enough. <laughs> second ride was a shared ride where I had to pick up three separate people at three different Ooh. locations. Right. And the first two people were, like, a block away from each other, and it made me, like, reroute and pick up the second person first. And it was only a block away, but, you know, everything here is one way, so I would just have to loop around to get her. And as I was looping around, and, of course, I need to see my GPS and where the turn is, my phone rings, and she's like, where are you? And I was like, I'm I'm literally around the corner. I'm just turning around the corner now. And she's like, okay. And I got off the phone and picked her up. And then it was like, ding, you have a third person. And I was like, okay. And, like, went to pick up the third person, who then didn't come out, Aside, <gasps> right, and I was like, um, and it wouldn't let me say that I had arrived, and so I was like, oh, so I had to like loop around the block and come back to her, and then like she was giving me the dirtiest look, and I was like, are you her name? I'm not gonna say her name, but I was like, are you the same? And she's like, yeah, and then looked at me all stupid, and I'm like, bitch, you're the one looking for a ride. Get in my car. <laughs> Get in my car. You um, called me, right? Like seriously though, I was like, are you stupid? Oh my God. And then the third person, or sorry, the third ride I picked up was a person riding by themselves. Oh, I took. I forgot about that guy. There's a guy who was boring and fine. Like there was no conversation. The last person I took for the day because I was like, I have to head back because I have therapy at eleven. And I didn't turn off the mode because I was like, oh, maybe I'll get one more quick drive before yeah. I get it. Right. And then it dinged, and I picked somebody up who was, like, on their way to physical therapy. And he was really nice, but it was a little awkward. And I was like, do you need me to help you, like, get into the car? And he's like, no, my caregiver's going to help me. And I was like, okay, cool. And they got him in. And then his nurse was there, like, waiting when we got up, and she got him, like, out of the car. Oh, that's really um, And nice. he's the only person who talked to me. <laughs> but he also sat in the front seat. So, like. That's so awkward. You had that happen on your first day? Yeah. Well, Ooh. he had to. Because oh, of like the way he couldn't like like bend enough to like get into the back seat, like he needed the room of the front seat. But sense. like you can't sit in the front seat and not talk to the oh, driver. Yeah. Like that would have been so fucking awkward. Um, and uh, yeah, it was my first day driving, you guys. And like, you know, first day, I asked him if he needed a charger for his phone, and like the first one I had in there was a lightning cable, right? Because I have an Apple, I have mm. an iPhone, and he's like, "Yeah, but I have an Android." And I was, and you've got the lightning cable. I was like, "I'm prepared with both," and that showed that I had a micro <laughs> USB, and he was like, "Awesome," and gave him that to charge his phone. Oh, precious. So yeah, that was my. My first day driving, paid 50 bucks in three hours. That's not bad. No, that's what I feel like. And I told you this when I was driving for it. I was like, it's not a bad gig. Right. If you put in the hours, you'll get the money. Like, yeah. you really will. And especially if you work in the mornings, which I feel like is and the was safest time. I was like, I get up really early anyway, and I didn't have anything just to go. do before therapy. And this was kind of my idea when, like, signing up to do it, because now I have this new car I'm paying for, y'all. Um, so I was like, let me, you know, I have a lot of spare time now that I'm not doing any shows or anything that I can like pick this up and make a little extra cash and yeah. hopefully I can help pay for this fucking car I just bought. So, so yeah, so that was what I did on my Monday today. Yay. Proud of you. Yeah. So. We'll and you see. also researched some ghosts, right? I did a little bit, a little bit. I'm ready to hear about your ghosts. So today, I'm going to talk about Shepherdstown, West Virginia. Ooh. So supposedly Shepherdstown is, um, of course, everything thinks it's the most haunted. But Shepherdstown is supposed to be like one of the most haunted um, towns in the U.S. Um, I'm going to pull it up on my phone as well as my notes because I didn't take, you know, intense notes. Um, not Shepherd's Pie. <laughs> 
It's a haunted shepherd's pie. Shepherd's pie, haunted potatoes. Um, you know what I heard? Those shepherd's pies get you uh, the worst the second time around. It becomes a shepherd pie. I was going to say, it's just poop joke. <laughs> Girl, you know we can't get 10 minutes into this episode without Not me making anymore. a poop joke. That's our thing now. The pooper normal and the pooper natural and the pooper intendant who shat on the field. <laughs> Hopefully he's going to get and a million, million dollars. I just want to hear his story. Me too. Tell just, us your story. I don't understand like why he needs, he's like, I can't wait to pooper tell my story. Intendant. I can't wait to hear your story. Tell it. What happened? We want to know. Um, so Shepherdstown is in West Virginia. And it was established in 1762, which is before the United States was actually officially a country. Um, it's believed to have hosted some of the bloodiest battles of the Civil War. Ooh. Uh, it's also the birthplace of the steamboat. And the turn of the tw- it's also where they had the turn of the 21st century talks between Israel and Syria. I don't know why it was in West Virginia. Interesting. And more uh, more recently, contemporarily, a hot spot for, quote, quirky small town theater, which I'm like, let's go. It's right in our wheelhouse. Right? I was like, this is a place where we belong. It's it's full of ghosts, and they do a lot of quirky theater. Shepherd's Pie, West Virginia? Shepherd's Town. Shepherd's Pie? Shepherd's Pie Town. Okay, got it. Shepherd's Town. Got it. Uh, so... <laughs> The police chief there, his name is uh, Police Chief Mike King, and he's been the chief for six and a half years. He's responsible for, there's a show that's filmed there now called The Ghosts of Shepherdstown, and he's responsible for uh, for getting that up off the ground. So it's on Destination America, which is like a fancier channel for people that are not poor like us. But <laughs> there's a whole show? This town has that much activity? The show has that much activity that has its own show. Um yeah, so it's called The Ghosts of Shepherdstown, and it's on Destination America. And the way it came about, he had he he and the rest of the police, right, had been receiving, it says dozens, but then I was like over like dozens a day or like dozens a week or dozens, or did they only have dozens? But I didn't get clarification it, on that. It was slow. It was a there slow year. There are dozens of us. Dozens! <laughs> um, it's a little rest development. Um so it says they'd been receiving dozens of phone calls about um, motion sensor alarms that were being triggered with nothing walking by, um, bumps in the night, knocks on the door, loud footsteps, uh, lights turning on and off, dishes crashing, or crashing off the shelves, etc. At many places, like oh, I was like, so where's the location that this is happening? This is all over. This is in a lot of a lo- This just happens a lot in the town, like homes and businesses. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and the responding officers would were never able to find a source for these things. That's because it was a ghost. They would go. They would, you know, you called nine one one. We're gonna come check it out. And they would see, like, you're right, that thing happened, but but there's nobody. I don't see evidence of a person being here. I don't see any fingerprints. I don't see like nothing that showed that any people had been in any of these places, <sighs> setting these things off in motion. <sighs> so when he was outright asked if he thinks the town is haunted, uh, he says, honestly, I don't know. I'm not a ghost investigator. I just know that there are things that I can't resolve. And I'm like, good for you. He's like, I'm not going to say it's haunted, but I'm going to tell you, I don't no shit about this so I called in other people and the other thing he says and I was like I love this very much because I'm like there you go um, so he called in uh, Nick Groff who is a famous paranormal investigator and he is the producer and the host of Ghosts of Shepherdstown okay so he oh. had reached out to um, Nick Groff who 
um, is involved with, I wrote a bunch of his things down, but you nodded because you know who he is. Ghost Adventures. Yeah, that's what um, I know him from. Paranormal Lockdown. Oh, yeah. And apparently he's been on Nightline, too, like talking about ghosts. So um, He used to be on Ghost Adventures, but then I remember they had like some sort of a drama falling out about him talking about how a lot of things were staged for the camera and stuff like that. Anyways, yeah. So if Nick comes and says it's a real deal, it's a real deal. I think is, so. Is what you're saying. I really, I, you know, I would put, I'd, I'd put my shepherd's pie money behind it. So on top of saying, you know, he's like, I just know there's some stuff I can't resolve. And he said, if I have a road that has a sinkhole in it, I call the road department, right? Mm-hmm. I, and I know nothing about ghost hunting, so I called Nick. And I'm like, that's fair. Smart. Right? He's like, I don't know. I couldn't say if it's haunted. That's not my thing. But that's this guy's job. So I was like, why not? I don't know how to look into this shit. So I'm like, cool on you, man. So he called Nick Groff in. And Nick Groff came. And now there's a show. They're actually doing their second season now where they're starting to explore some of the area around Shepherdstown. Um, But the first season is available online, I saw. But I didn't click (gasps) and see if I had to buy it or if we could just watch it. Because if we could just watch it, we should watch it. My um, favorite thing is to get high and watch Ghost Adventures. You have no idea how great it is to get high and watch douchebag Zach Bagans Bagans fucking whittle his way around an investigation. Well, oh, like it's Zach fantastic. Um, <laughs> Zach um, T. Baggins? But I think it's just, I also think it's just really fascinating that like the cops are the ones who called Ghost Hunters in. The cops are like, look, we can't explain what's happening. So we're going to get people who professionally look into this kind of shit because this isn't our wheelhouse. So I think that's kind of cool. They investigated stuff all over the town because the entire town appears to be haunted. They investigated phantoms, which is in quotation marks, that were spotted by locals, including a corpse in the Potomac River, (gasps) um, a young girl in a Shepherd's University dorm room, a Civil War soldier in a local bakery, a headless woman in one of the town's oldest homes. Those are all ghosts that they've investigated. And then Elizabeth Saint, who is one of the investigators on the show, she says that she thinks it has to do with the water. It lays on the side of a river across from Harper's Ferry. Um, and she says that water is a conduit. Like, we know water is a conduit for, like, electricity, but she says it's a conduit for, like, all kinds of energy and she thinks because of where it lays along, um, because of where it lays in, along the river, she says it's kind of like in the eye of the storm between all these towns where all these historic battles took place. So all of these towns are filled with a lot of death and a lot of history of death. And that she thinks a lot of it has to do with the river kind of flooding in this energy. So it's not just the ghosts of Shepherdstown, but that it pulls it in from everywhere else, which is why now in the second season, they're starting to explore the surrounding areas of Shepherdstown. Um, So I thought that was super, super neat. That's really cool. And like I said, there's a whole show, and they explore all sorts of different things around the place, and they talk to a lot of, like, the locals. But the whole idea is that, like, with the people that they have involved, like, these are people who, like you said, like, he is somebody who was like, I won't be involved with that show because it's fake and they stage it and stuff. So the idea that, like, because these people are there, like, it, a lot of it, like, legitimizes the situation. And some people think it's, like, a gimmick to try and, like, bring, like, ghost tourism into mm-hmm. the town, which could be true, but I like, I don't know, I like the way that the the way that the police chief talks about it makes me find some legitimacy in it. Yeah. Because I like that he's not like, oh, it's spooky, and there's what he's just like, look, I know I can't explain it, I don't know that it's that, but these are people who investigate that, and that's why that I called them, because that's their job. Yeah. And I'm not qualified to say that that's what it is. I know I can't explain it, 
And I'm like, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for stepping up and, and maybe actually looking at it like it's something that should be investigated. Right. Um, because so many times, right, We I feel like we read a lot of ghost stories about, like, no one took these people seriously. Like, these people said that they had this happening in their house, and everyone was like, you're crazy. So I just think it's really, he's like, this happened all over town. I can't explain that. Yeah. Let's call in the professionals. They're like, who are you going to call? And they're like, Nick Groff. <laughs> <laughs> who are you going to call? He ain't afraid of no ghosts. He ain't. He makes he makes money of off of not being afraid of no ghosts. Though I will say my other favorite part about Ghost Adventures is there's three of them, and they're all basically like broy dudes, to be honest. And my favorite part is when I think it's Aaron is usually the guy who's like, "Whoa, man!" and he gets like super scared, and it's mm. so funny. Love it. It's so great. It's I my favorite pastime. It used to be on Netflix, and I used to just get, get it. stoned and watch it, and it was yes. fantastic. I don't think we've ever talked about. Weed so much on our podcast, but you keep talking about getting high and watching. Just because I'm so into it's my favorite thing to do. That and Ghost Hunters. Of course, I started watching Ghost Hunters when I was in high school. Of course, I wasn't smoking weed in high school. I mean, I smoked weed in middle school, (laughs) and then I was a late bloomer. uh, (laughs) I was a late toker and all sorts of shit early that I shouldn't have. Uh, All sorts of things, but um, weed I smoked uh, in middle school, and then I. I got really, and this is in my essays that I'm working on, and my my book, but the last time I smoked weed as, like, an adolescent was the summer before 10th grade, and it's the only time I remember getting, like, really paranoid when I got high, but I just got so high, and I was really paranoid, and I was like, the cops are coming. Like, I was convinced the (gasps) cops were coming, and my friend, like, she just kept, it would get really quiet, and she was just like... Right, and I was like, oh, I hate you. Right, and I quit smoking until I got into college, and then I started smoking again. I was like, this is the best thing that ever happened. Why was I doing this sooner? Like, when I was again, like, when I got high that time and got super paranoid, I was like, I'm too young for this shit. (laughs) Why am I smoking weed? I'm a child. I'm a baby. Right, and then in college, I was like, I'm grown now. Give me that weed. (laughs) I think I find out. What's the cops going to do? What's she going to (laughs) do? I'm a grown-ass woman. I'm I sorry, it's illegal. Away. I'm, I'm, not now. I'm saying not if I were caught, places. that's what I would be oh, like. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I did. One time, my friend Jesse was like, "What would you do if your mom found out you smoked weed?" And I was like, "Cry." <laughs> that's all you. I got. I was like, "I'd be like, I'm, re- I'm sorry. I know you thought I didn't smoke weed, but I do. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Right. That's that's what I would do. My bills are all paid, but now she she's dead. So." <laughs> It's Dead fine. time stories. It's fine. <laughs> what are you talking about this week, Sarah? My dead parent. Um. <laughs> you lie. I mean, you do, uh, you have one. But I was I mean, like, like, we can both joke about it because we each have one. Right. I was just like, that's not what you're if talking about. If I didn't about. have a dead parent, that would be awful. That would be really awkward. I know, right? Like, we can say that. Okay. That's our word. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> uh. What are you talking about this week, That's Sarah? awful. <laughs> well, this week, uh, I did really like that at the end of your story, you brought up the fact that a lot of people didn't necessarily, you know, they they will see places and hauntings as drawing media attention, bringing in media and TV shows as just a way to gain fame and notoriety. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a pretty big topic in the story that I'm giving today. Ooh. So look at that. Glad we didn't talk that about that, you guys. Uh, but today, I'm going to tell you about the Smurl haunting, also known as the Smurl poltergeist. It's spelled S M U R 
L. And I'm taking it back home. We are going to be here in good old PA. Nice. So this happens in West Pittston, Pennsylvania. Just, I'm like, isn't that the name of the bad guy's cat on the Smurfs? No. Smurl? Smurl sounds like an evil cat name. I don't know. Smurl! Well, that's his family's name. So I'm sorry, family. Smurl family. They like also he, went through a lot of maybe shit. He's a Pokemon, and that's how he talks. I just that's imagine Squirtle. Like, Smurl. No, I know that's Squirtle. Squirtle. But I'm like, maybe that's why I hear it like that. Maybe, maybe he's not an evil cat. Maybe he's a Pokemon. Maybe Smurl. I'm sorry. Then Go ahead. Haunted. Tell me about the terrible things that happened to this family. All right, we're done making Pokemon <laughs> references. Never. I never actually was into Pokemon. Well, keep it me either. So I'm like, let's tone it down. Um, <laughs> So, yes, this happens in West Pittston, PA, which is two and a half hours north of Philadelphia, which is where we are. It takes place during the years of 1974 to 1989, so it is still fairly recent. Mm -hmm. This is going to be about the Smurl family, so let's just uh, jump into it. Actually, hold on. I'm going to take a drink first. So here we go. Let's get started. Maybe. We'll see what happens. We have a bonus episode that's just bloopers. Stuff that, like, no, I delete. This all is on of our it. Stitcher Premium. <laughs> this is what you get when you're a Patreon. This is what you get when you're a Patreon subscriber. <laughs> you have to hear all this, all this shit that we can't keep in the episode. We need people to send us emails first. Um, okay. Oh, that's something to bring up at the end. We will talk about getting stories. Okay. All right. So, 1974 is when the activity starts, but we're gonna go a little bit further back. You're dealing with Jack and Janet Smurl. Uh, they moved into a duplex purchased by Jack's parents in 1973 after being forced to relocate due to flood damage from Hurricane Agnes in the Wilkes Bar, PA area in 1972. The building housed Jack's parents on one side and Jack, Janet, and their two daughters, Dawn and Heather, on the other side. So one big old happy family. Nice. During the first year and a half, things were normal and happy. They spent a lot of time remodeling and redecorating the duplex duplex and the smurls even had a uh, set of twin baby girls named shannon and karen yeah the smurl girls <laughs> it's all smurl girls and jack was the only only boy that's fair um are you doing a picture right now for our instagram okay, okay. but in january of 1974 things began to change i wish you had headphones on because then you would hear how I got into the mic. <laughs> um, all right. So 1974, they've been living there for about a year and they started noticing small things. So it started with small occurrences like a strange stain appeared on the new carpet um, that was impossible to remove no matter how hard they scrubbed. So, of course, they'd clean it and then it would come back. Ugh. Water That's pipes. scary. Girl, just get ready. Even when there's not ghosts. I'm just like, oh, I cleaned that. I'm doing that again. Get ready. It's just getting worse from there. Oh, God. Uh, water pipes leaked even after repeated repair. Newly installed bathroom fixtures were found severely scratched, like a newly installed tub, newly installed toilet. Um, and at one point, the TV even caught on fire. Wow! Oh! By 1975, their oldest daughter, Dawn, reported seeing people floating around her bedroom. And the activity steadily increased from there. Drawers began to open and close by themselves. Radios would begin blasting loudly, even though they were unplugged and turned off. Toilets would flush themselves, and a horrible stench would waft through the house. And even on several occasions, Jack reported feeling something touch him. Mm. By 1977, the family fully realized that the home was, in some way, spooked or hainted. 
All right. Okay. Okay. Painted. Don't want it. Is hainted. Hainted. Tainted. Taunted. Taunted. <laughs> That's the four. Is that how they used to say haunted back then? Uh, yeah. No, wait a minute. This is not that old. This wasn't. Like... This wasn't in the South. Well, I'm also but like, some parts of Pennsylvania think well, that they're in the South. It's girl, ain't it the truth? I meant more. I'm laughing like that wasn't that long ago. Like I'm thinking it's like an old timey word. I'm like this 1914. Wasn't years ago. No, this, this was... was in the 70s. Right. <laughs> that shit was hainted. Um, but the activity also wasn't confined to only Jack and Janet's side of the house. Oh, so they not. experienced Why most. Would it? Of... Well, listen. So they experienced most of it, and then we'll get into it in a minute. But. Um, it was definitely mainly isolated to their side of the house. However, on the other side, Jack's parents, John and Mary were their names, they also experienced some strange happenings. So that house would become icy cold. And the other weird thing is they would hear violent and verbal fighting from Jack and Janet's side of the house. So like the two of them were screaming at each other, cursing each other out, but no one would be home. No, they would be gone. Of course not. The whole family would be mm. gone. But they would hear them fighting in in the house next door. That made me think about the story you told me where, like, they heard screams or they heard something happening next door and they were like, oh, did you give the house to your deaf nephew? And, and he was like, no, TV no one's was been here. so loud. And they're like, nobody's there. Yep. Well, also on top of that, even neighbors outside would hear screaming and loud noises coming from the house when no one was home. So even neighbors standing outside or across the street would nah. hear shit coming from the house Tell and no that. one was there. No, ma'am. Right? Toward 1985, the activity began to grow bolder and became more frightening in presence. So about 10 years into living there. One day in February, Janet was in the basement doing laundry when she heard her name being called from upstairs. She searched the entire house only to remember that she was completely alone and had been completely alone the entire time. Oh, the call is coming from inside the house. (laughs) Yes. I don't like it. Janet? Janet? Janet. Get out, get out, get out. Janet. It's not going to get out. (gasps) Only two days after that incident, she saw a black human-shaped form with no facial features appear to Janet in the kitchen, then walked through the wall to the other side where John and Mary lived, with Mary also witnessing the phenomenon. So it started on Janet's side and materialized in front of her in the kitchen, walked across, and Mary was over there, and Mary was like, I'm sorry I didn't let you in my what? But she came through the wall. Came through the wall. But no, no. She uh, go. She don't need no door. No one said it was a she. It's just an, a it non-gender. All right, that's true. I did, I did just assume it's gender. Piece of smoke. After this, at this point, the physical violence and interaction with the family escalated. So Jack and Janet were rep- were repeatedly levitated, and in one instance, Janet was violently pulled off the bed after her and Jack got it on, while Jack lay there paralyzed by a foul odor. So they Sorry, cocked my head to the side. Yeah, I was like, so they had just had sex. They're laying there in the postcoital bliss, cuddling. I would assume the afterglow. Yeah, I was like, they have two kids. They just had a set of twins. I would assume they have a healthy, healthy love life. On top of the ghost. I'm pining for those days. And the ghost. (laughs) The days when a ghost interrupts your love life. The days when I had a healthy sexual relationship with someone. When I had any sexual relationship with somebody. That's another podcast. I fell. So yeah, so they were laying there and she apparently was like pulled off the bed and he was just like hit with this foul odor and couldn't move. 
which is crazy. Even the family's German shepherd dog wasn't immune immune to the attacks. So the dog was repeatedly picked up and thrown around by an unseen force. And it's a German shepherd. So it's not a little dog like Snoopy. You're dealing with like a bigger dog. www.doesthedogdie.com No, it just gets gets thrown around a bit. Have you heard about that website? No. Is it about movies where it asks if the dog dies? It literally just tells you whether or not the dog dies. That's a good move. That's that's really smart. Right. I think that that's that. I know that website exists. I don't know if that's the correct. Is it does the dog die or does the dog live? It's something like that. But if you know, email us at deadtimestories.gmail.com. But if you were to Google this story and ask if the dog died, it would say no. No. Uh, It it just just got thrown around a little bit. It is tossed around a little bit. Cool. I just suffered a little bit of, um, you know, domestic violence. Shannon, one of the twins, was tossed out of bed and down the stairs one night while she was sleeping. And on an even more frightening occasion, a large ceiling fan fell and landed a mere few inches away from where she was in the house one day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. It's like a, oh, that's like a fear of mine. That shit's going to come falling from the ceiling? A ceiling fan is going to fall on me, yes. So it almost happened to Shannon. Shannon, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. So in 1986, Janet called in, and I think this is our first time to uh, talk about these two, Ed and Lorraine Warren. You know who Ed and Lorraine Warren are. Do I? Hmm, I'm excited to tell you. Ed and Lorraine Warren are some of the most well-known demonologist paranormal investigators. They've gained major notoriety in the past few years because a lot of movies have been made based off of their investigations. Sure. But they're most well known for investigating the Amityville case. Okay. They also are, if you've seen The Conjuring, The Conjuring 2, uh, the Annabelle whatever fucking movies, those are all focused on Ed and Lorraine Warren. So Ed and Lorraine Warren were major demonologists, paranormal investigators throughout, oh my gosh, I want to say like the 60s to the 90s. Um, Ed passed away a few years ago. Lorraine is still kicking. She's in her 90s. Good for her. Get it, Lorraine. But they are, they're super well known. If no one has heard of them, please research them. They also have a museum that houses all of their like findings that they've taken away. Again, I mentioned that Annabelle doll, which is a haunted doll that's had movies made about her, etc. She's got a whole story. And they've got a few other majorly haunted artifacts in that museum. So they're really cool. Basically, Janet called in the big guns, even though she was a little skeptical about the whole thing. But they were an extremely Catholic family, and they had kept asking for help from the church. And the church was just like, we'll look into it, but we're probably not going to send anyone out. Like, I, we think you're okay, or you're just full of it. So, Janet called the Warrens as a last-ditch attempt to relieve her family of this torment they were experiencing. When the Warrens arrived, they quizzed the Smurls intensely about their family life, their family happiness, their religious beliefs, whether they had ever practiced occultism, and, most importantly, had anyone used a Ouija board in the house anytime recently? Because that's the real question, ladies and gentlemen. The answer to that was no. None of that had happened in the house. So at this point, they had really no explanation. After walking through and examining the house, Lorraine Warren said she detected four evil spirits in the house. One was an elderly woman. Another one was a young and possibly violent girl. And another one was a man who suffered and died in the home. I also read accounts that said the man was someone who killed his wife and her lover when he found of the affair and he was hung in front of like yeah, the town. He was. Um <laughs> apparently not because his be wife cheated. Like right 
time. Anyways, it goes back and forth. Uh, and the <laughs> and the fourth one was a demon who was using the other three to help torment the family. Uh, the Warrens attempted to force the demon to expose itself, but these exorcisms were fruitless, and ultimately they only made the future attacks worse. At this point, also, the Warrens had realized there wasn't really anything necessarily explaining why the entity had suddenly showed up in the house. Yeah. So, of course, they went to the age, the age-old adage of, this was a house now full of two soon-to-be-slash-in-the-middle-of-like pubescence yeah you were dealing we were dealing with like 10 to 11 year old girls and then like 17 18 year old girls Mm -hmm. and a lot of times people say that poltergeists and demons and entities come in i think i also mentioned it when i talked about the black monk of pontefract how they think that sometimes it causes activity when you're dealing with a child going through puberty Mm. and so they latched on to the idea that this entity came around um, and I talked about that a little bit too with that episode of Buffy and the yeah. house that they fucked haunted and there were teenage, Ex- there's teenage like paranormal, exactly like, you know, poltergeisty it, energies there. It, it, it's a changing moment. There's a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of like feelings and, and things like that going on. So, um, so yeah, they attributed, if anything, that might be what brought the demon to the house, etc. Janet also swears that the, um, activity really escalated on the day of like the twins, like 13th, um, birthday. like birthday, you know, getting baptized in the church, etc. So one of the reasons why I really wanted to research this, because this also ties into something else that we've talked about. And at one point, as the attacks got worse and worse after the exorcisms by the Warrens, Jack claims he encountered a succubus yeah, he did. posing as an old woman with a young body. She entered the living room and raped him. Aww. Her eyes were red and her gums were green. Similarly, Janet reported being raped by an, by an incubus. incubus along with other sexual molestations of paranormal nature. In the beginning of the activity, one night Jack says he heard a woman's voice in the night in their room and witnessed like a shadowy hand glide up his wife's thigh under her nightshirt. So the two of them were sexually assaulted by the ghosts. Damn. So this is also one of the first uh, things that I've come across that I was like, here's some research where we're also going to deal with a succubus and an incubus. And we've also Both mentioned... the same story. I know. Uh, in the time that he was there investigating, Ed Warren claims to have been choked, and then he began to suffer from flu-like symptoms. The only thing that <laughs> seemed to temporarily stop the manifestations was holy water and prayer. But of course, they're not going to do that 24-7. Only temporary, right. Like, it's only temporary. Yeah. Uh, the family tried multiple times to obtain support and help from the church, but the Roman I Catholic helped to get. I'm sorry. I wonder if it would help to get like a holy water sprinkler. Do you think? But then the inside of their house would be wet all the time. I, mean, I don't know. I just, mm, yeah, like a holy water a humidifier. Holy water humidifier. That's yeah. That's a lot of holy water. And I feel like I wonder if the ghost would like if the demon would build up. A tolerance. A tolerance to it. Because mm. it's... Because they're inhaling like a, a slow vapor of it, right? They're exposing yeah. themselves to it gently over time. Sure. Who knows? Maybe we should do... We should research that. Mm. Holy water humidifier. I'm not going to remember to do that. Holy water humidifier. It's good alliteration. I'm trying to think of a way to make a portmanteau of it. A smoosh. A smoosh? You know, where you put two words together, like... Yeah. That would be your holy water humidifier. Holy humidifier. 
Humidifier, home. Humidifier. <laughs> Religifier? No. All right. We got to keep going. Okay. So again, the family tried Jesus multiple missed. times. Jesus missed them. I know. Jesus wept. Um, <laughs> this is a great episode. What'd they try? Well, a lot of things. Um, but the big one was to try to get help from Jesus. Uh, the tried to get help from their church. They were really Catholic. But the Roman Catholic Diocese of Scranton said official investment would be uh, in, official involvement would be unlikely. The Warrens then stepped in and they brought in Father McKenna, which Father McKenna was considered a rogue priest due to his rejections of some of the Vatican II teachings. I like a rogue priest. A rogue priest. He performed two exorcisms that were only successful in angering the entity. Oh, damn. That's what you get when you bring in a rogue priest. I like the way you delivered that. That was very clever. That were only successful in angering the entity. Oh, no. He only made things worse. That's what you get. Rogue priest. Rogue entity. According to the family, the entity would now even follow them when they left the house. Oh, of course. And it had accompanied them on a camping trip and Jack had even been tormented at work so like yeah. a lot of people are like just move out just move out it's haunted and they're like they, cool, they follow me to work now too it followed, and my so, like two hours he's with me the whole time and we remodeled this house where are we gonna leave so they now knew that moving out was not an option the they demon know, would yeah. follow them wherever they went with no help from the church in sight and the unsuccessful attempts from the Warrens and Father McKenna the Smurls decided to take to the media they hoped that taking it, their Smurls. story right they hoped that taking their story public would result in some form of help. But they got more than they bargained for, and the press latched onto their story. They had people camping in front of their house. Aww. They had people constantly driving by, hoping to catch, to catch a glimpse of what had been tormenting them. But the media attention finally made the Roman Catholic Church in Scranton step up and send out some help. However, multiple priests sent to the property reportedly encountered no harmful activity. And one priest even moved into the household, hoping to witness the demonic forces. But after two nights with no activity, he left. Two nights? No activity. A third, well, I mean, but keep in mind, these are people who are reporting have being thrown down their stairs. Their sure. dog is being thrown. They're being sexually attacked. And he's there for two nights and has nothing. A third exorcism was performed by Father McKenna, a rogue priest, in October of 1986. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to take. The family experienced nothing for three months until shortly before Christmas of 1986, Jack again saw the black form. The banging in the walls started up again, as well did, as well as the putrid smells. The activity starting up again, along with the increased media scrutiny and attention, had finally worn down the Smurl family, and in 1987, they packed up and left the duplex. Some activity reportedly followed them to their new home, but in 1989, the church sanctioned another exorcism, and the family were finally rid of the demon activity they had been plagued with for around 16 years. Damn. So now many people don't believe the Smurls and think that this was nothing but a ploy to gain media attention and fame. And they might be right. There's a few things that make you kind of think that it might be something. Okay. Uh, the family did release a book in 1987 that they had authored alongside the Warrens and a Scranton newspaper writer, Robert Curran. It was called The Haunted. And in 1991... 
a two-hour made-for-TV movie titled The Haunted was released, also written by Robert Curran, the Scranton newspaper writer who wrote the book with them. So a lot of people think that they did some of this to sort of build up hype for a book or to gain media attention. And also you can't forget the priests who went to the house multiple times and reportedly experienced no activity. So why did these jerks throw their dog? And, well, the other thing, and in 1988, so they moved out in 1987. In 1988, Deborah Owens moved into the former home, and she has never encountered anything supernatural while living there. Do you have any questions? I have a few more things, but y'all I don't have field a question. Questions. I just thought about a quote that Josh had brought up when he did his ghost story show that we went to see Josh Hitchens mm-hmm. about how there are no haunted places. There are only haunted people. And I'm like, well, maybe it's because the house isn't haunted, but it's the they're people. haunted, right? That might be it. And that would be a really, well, let me keep telling you what happened. So, yeah, a lot of people think that it was all a a hoax and a ploy. It gained a lot of media attention. Um, And as soon as they left a year after, then everything seemed to cease. Mm -hmm. But I was reading a few articles written about a year, year and a half ago. Uh, A neighbor of the Smurls at the time, Bill Watson, talked about the experience and about having all the press there in his front yard, etc. But at the end of the day, he's a firm believer. And he's quoted as saying, For most of my life, I didn't believe in demons and hauntings, but I did after that. You should have seen them. They looked worn out and haggard. They had lost weight. And in June of 2017, so June of last year, Jack Smurl passed away after a lengthy battle with diabetes. His youngest daughter, Karen Smurl, part of the twins, she's now 28, and she works as a social worker and an occasional paranormal investigator. Get it, Smurl girl? She fully believes what happened to her as a child and hopes to help others who have had similar experiences. So she wrote a um, little Facebook post sort of about it, and I just wanted to read that um, and leave you to your thoughts about what happened to the Smurl family. But she says... That we did it for fame or money is the most ridiculous statement ever. We were a normal family with normal lives that went through a tragedy and prevailed by staying strong and faithful. It's everyone else that blew it up into a nightmare. We battled the demons inside and the public outside. They made it worse. We never made money from the book or the movie. To the naysayers, I hope it doesn't take something as extreme as what we went through to make them believers. We wouldn't wish our experiences on anyone. To this day, she gets angry about some of the stories and the media reactions that did take place in 1986. She says, we owe the media nothing. They owe us. The media doesn't have to deal with the aftermath of an article, and we do. We live here. We work here. We teach here. And of the events that she experienced at only 8 to 10 years old, she says, I remember it very well. Imagine your worst nightmare as a kid. Realizing that the boogeyman is real. Damn. Paper uh, drop. That's the story of the Smurl haunting uh, in West Pittstown, PA, in 1974 to 1989. Smurl! Smurl! So, yeah, so I just, I found that story to be really interesting, too, because it did get a lot of media presence. But at the end of the day, the people in the family, once this, and they walked away and they were like, we didn't want all this attention. 
we wanted to leave us alone. And when it left them alone, they went on. Like I read the article, you know, he passed away last year and I read the article and it talked about how he was active in his daughter's softball careers. He was active in the community. He was active in their church, et cetera, et cetera. And really just wanted to move on past these experiences that happened to them. And they really sound like awful, awful experiences and just a random home. And there's really no explanation explanation for why it popped up. But I also really like, and I didn't find much information about the other kids or anything like that, but uh, I also really like that she's like, I'm going to be a paranormal investigator too. She's like, you know what? I've seen some shit. I've seen some shit. When I was a little girl. I'm going to learn about it. And I'm going to investigate it. I'm going to learn from it. Because the more you know, do, 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 do. There's our ghost stories. There's our ghost stories, you guys. That was good. This was a good episode, I think. This was fun. This was good. We did good. We had some Um, stuff to cut, but it was good. But we always have stuff to cut. <laughs> we always have stuff to cut. We you do. guys that's, don't even realize. That's very fair. Kind of we we include a lot of inappropriate stuff, but you should only hear the things that I cut out of this that are so inappropriate. Right? I was like, we can't air that information. It's dirty laundry. <laughs> it's because it's not. I can't. I can't give the okay to to air other people's dirty laundry. I I'm okay to be like, well, I did this. You can tell it. But when I'm like, okay, this is somebody else's business, so like you can't share this on the internet. But I mean, also we just say some awful things sometimes. Sometimes. Hashtag me too. I know. I made a solid me too joke. It wasn't solid. Cut. It was bad. It was. It was a. It, it was, was a little runny. I was <laughs> taking it back to the poop. You jokes. and your poop jokes. It was a good joke. I was just like, mm, it's. It would be like. More offensive than I want to be on our right and poor taste. It would be more offensive than I'd like our podcast to be. (laughs) Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you want to know how you can help the podcast, there are many, 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 many ways that you can help us out. We would love to hear from you guys. If you have your own ghost stories or if you have stories that you want us to investigate, we love hearing from you guys. So if you want to email us at deadtimestories with a Z at gmail.com, that includes if you have any of your own ghost sexual encounters, we'll take some of those. If you have your ghost dick, if your dick is dressed up as a ghost in a Kleenex with, you know, eyes and a mouth, only if it's dressed as a ghost, not just sending us a dick pic. It has to be dressed as a ghost. It's... It's a hard, hard limit. And we're getting close to Halloween, so I'm expecting some so ghost dicks. I just Also, real fast, I got to make another shout out. So last week on our podcast, I'm not going to reiterate what we said before. We're on, we're on a roll. I was like, you told me. I did. I know. We planned this out. This is a side tangent, and then I'm going to let you pick it back up right where you I'm left you off. Finish. I'm okay, going to let Kanye, you finish. Go ahead. Listen, um, so we plugged a good friend of ours and we are not going to show their promo this episode, but we've talked about them before. Uh, Southern Spirits podcast. And I was listening to their latest episode that they came out with last night, Sunday, because it had our promo in it. But in their first story, they were talking about someone, a ghost who's a freeloader on a train. And Mitch made the joke of him being a ghost dick. And I just wanted to jump through my radio and I yell know. at them like, that's our bit. That's our bit. That's we our, we love ghost, ghost dicks. I just love the way the two of them say, I apologize. I apologize. I love it. And no matter which one of them says it, it always makes me laugh. It's I great. I apologize. So, Mitch Lee, if you listen to this, we really appreciate that tiny little ghost dick thing. Uh, from now on, ghost dicks. Hashtag, 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 hashtag. hashtag. So, hashtags are great if you're on Instagram or on Facebook, which are other places that you could follow us, like us. Uh, review us on Facebook or iTunes. And if you review us and take a screenshot of your review and send it to us at deadtimestories at gmail.com 
or to our Instagram, you know, hit up our DMs on Instagram or Facebook. If you write us a review and screenshot it and send it to us, we will give you a free sticker. So you'll give us your address, too, so we can send you the sticker. Mm -hmm. So follow us on all the things, Dead Time Stories, all one word, uh, with a Z on the end. It's the same uh, handle everywhere that we are. And rate, review, subscribe. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you guys so much. I'm Sarah. I'm Stephanie. And this has been Dead Time Stories. Whether you guys like it or not, that's our new niche. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Remy Slackman.